says, when Jesus saw the crowds coming to him, he went up on the mountainside, and his disciples came to him, and he sat among them, and he began to teach them, saying these words. Let's just check both of them. Let's, let's, let's get ourselves together this Says morning. No. We're on. Wait, are you still sick? No, I'm not. <laughs> are you a germaphobe? A little bit. Yep. No. There, all right. There we go. Okay, let's, we're going to just all try right. this again. It's okay. All do, right. not, do not judge. All right. My bad. That's right. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside, and his disciples came to him, and he sat with them, and he began to speak to them, saying these words. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Do not judge others. In the way that you judge others, that will be used to judge you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, all the while you have a plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove that speck of sawdust, when you have a plank in your eye? You hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye to see clearly to remove the speck of sawdust from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not give pearls to pigs, or they will trample you and tear you to pieces. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus has been covering a lot of ground in this Sermon on the Mount. I hope you've been able to be here and take uh, most of that in. Uh, what I see happening today as we come to this uh, section of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus turns a corner a little bit. A lot of what Jesus has been talking about has been what life is uh, like within the kingdom of God. And he's talking to the disciples about their relationship in really in terms of a vertical relationship with God and how do we relate to God? How do we, as unholy people, walk in holiness before God? But I see him turning a corner in this little section of the, the Sermon on the Mount here, going back to the original call that Jesus put on the disciples' life. If you have your Bibles open in Matthew chapter 4 is where Jesus called his first disciples. And in Matthew 5 or Matthew 4, I'm sorry, verse 19, Jesus said to them, he said to them, come and follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Come and follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. I think Jesus is circling back around to that particular call on the disciples' life in this section of the Sermon on the Mount. That whole image of fish for people may not be one that we carry with us uh, today, but Jesus' disciples knew it well because they were fishermen. That was their trade. And remember, in the time of the Bible, they didn't sit in their boat with, with poles and worms and fish that way, but rather they had the nets. And they would take the nets and they would throw them over the, the side of the boat. They would draw them in where it would scoop up together. And then there would be fish in there, hopefully, and they would empty it out. They would throw the net back in, scoop it up. 
and throw it back in and scoop it up. It was very tiring and incredibly hard work that they had to engage in. But one of the problems that often would emerge as they were fishing was that the net would wear out or the net would develop a hole in it. And you can imagine what that uh, hole in your net would cause quite a problem, wouldn't it? You take your net, you throw it out, and you got all these wonderful fish inside your net, and as you're drawing it in, all the fish are going right out the back side, right? They're all going right out that hole heading out of that net. And so a lot of the time, the disciples, when they were having to spend their time, it was repairing their nets, fixing their nets to take care of those holes. Otherwise, they would lose the fish. And what I see here happening in our passage today, that Jesus is talking to his disciples, saying, I'm telling you, you're going to be a fisher of men. And he's also coming to us and saying the same thing to us. I'm sending you out to fish for people. But you know what? As you go out and you fish for people, there are some holes in your net. There's some holes in your net that I think you need to take care of. Because if we don't take care of them, you won't be able to live out my calling, which is on your life, which is to follow me as I seek and save the lost and as we reach the world and we bring people into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We, we throw the net out. We bring them into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And if we, God's people, have holes in our net, we're not going to be able to fish as Jesus wants us to. His disciples would not be able to fish as he wants them to. And so this morning, I see we're going to address three of these holes in the net. And just ask ourselves, is this maybe true in my life? Is I living to Jesus' calling, right? Because the calling on the first disciples is the calling on our lives. We too are to be engaged in fishing for men. And are these holes uh, prevalent in my life as I try to reach out and draw people in? to the kingdom of God. And so we see Jesus in the very first words that he says here, which we read in Matthew chapter 6, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, Jesus says, do not judge. That's pretty clear, right? Do not judge. That is a, a present imperative. An imperative means do it. So do not judge. I'm telling you, do not do this. This is a command. I'm telling you, and it's present. So today and tomorrow and forever, this is what you do not do. You do not judge. Now, this verse here, it's always an interesting one to me because amongst um, my non-Christian friends or even amongst my non-Christian unfriends, I guess. They know this verse, right? They know this verse because this is a quick verse. They, even though they don't know their Bible, they know this verse and will say, do not judge. As soon as we start talking about anything about God, anything about truth, anything about aligning your life in any way, shape, or form to what is right and holy and righteous, the words come out of the mouth, do not judge. You're a Christian. Isn't that what the Bible says? Do not judge. And they use it just to shut us down, to shut us down. In fact, some of us may even have this verse ringing in our head, shutting ourselves down, because that's kind of the flabby, sentimental society we live in today. Right now, well, everybody can do their own thing, what they want. What's good for them is good for them. What's good for me is good for me. Who are you to tell me what to do? I can't tell you what to do. Uh, we live with this moral relativism that's out there. 
that there is no absolute anywhere. So we're like, well, I can't really say anything to them because the Bible tells me do not judge. And so this verse lingers in the back of our heads, but we need to recognize that that's not what Jesus is teaching here. He's not teaching that we never draw a line in the sand. He's not teaching that we ever declare what is right and what is wrong because Jesus does that all the time. All the time he's pointing to God. All the time he's pointing to God's standards and he says that's the path you need to be on. That's where you need to walk. That's holy. That's where you need to sin. That's where you need to stop sinning. And Paul, Paul tells us that in the New Testament too. He tells us to use God's word, to hold each other accountable, to rebuke one another, to, uh, to encourage one another, to use it as a standard. It's not true that we cannot ever judge somebody. That's not what this passage is teaching. And don't let anybody shut you down because of it. Because I can, I can say there are many things that God has told us what is right and what is wrong. I am to love my neighbor, that is right. So if you're not loving your neighbor, I can easily say you're not loving your neighbor. God says, uh, you shall not commit adultery. If you're committing adultery, I'm like, that's wrong. I can tell you, that's not judging. That's just simply a standard that God has put out there. God says you should care for the poor. If I'm not caring for the poor, then I'm gonna confront you because you should care for the poor and you cannot fire back at me, do not judge. I'm not judging you, I'm just holding you accountable to what God's word is saying. All of that being said, then we ask ourselves, what is Jesus saying? Because he does use that word judge, and that word judge in Greek is chronos. And it's used over 15 or 25 different times in the scripture, and each time it means something a little different. So that tells me something that I need to look at the context to determine what kind of judging Jesus is talking about. Because judging has different kinds of nuances and layers. And the judging that Jesus is talking about here is done in the face of the Pharisees. He's contrasting it in the face of the Pharisees. So he's not saying don't judge ever, don't ever make judgments, but he's saying see those Pharisees? See how they live their lives? See what they're doing? Don't judge like them. And that's what we need to look at. Don't judge like them. And we see that just ahead a little bit here in Matthew chapter 9, as a matter of fact. If you look at Matthew 9, uh, verses uh, 10, verse 10, Jesus has just called Matthew to follow him. Matthew is a tax collector. And so Jesus now is going to have dinner with his friend at Matthew's house, so Matthew, by nature of being a tax collector, is going to have many tax collectors at his home. And it says right there in verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors, sinners, came and ate with him and his disciples. You love that phrase there? Many tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors and sinners, that's often a group for people who are unholy, who are unrighteous, who are untouchable, who we need to stay away from. The tax collectors, because they were the ones who worked for the Romans. Remember, the Romans came in and occupied the Jewish nation, and they imposed a tax on them, but they hired Jewish people to go amongst their own people and extract the taxes. So they were like traitors. So Matthew was like a traitor. 
And then he would skim off the top, usually the tax collectors would. So they were really despised people. So we got the tax collectors there, and then just this broad category of sinners. And we can begin to imagine what goes into that category of sinners. That's where Jesus is hanging out. He's having dinner with tax collectors and sinners. But not everybody thinks this is a great deal because it says in verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, oh my goodness, there's Jesus. He's eating with tax collectors and sinners. Now eating in the biblical time carries maybe a little more weight than it does today because eating in the biblical time uh, meant acceptance. It meant hospitality. It meant belonging. If I ate with you, it meant you were part of my group. If I ate with you, it meant we were friends. If I ate with you, we were connected together. So the very fact that Jesus is eating with sinners and tax collectors is saying, you belong. It's saying, you're my friends. It's saying, I'm connecting my life to you. And now the Pharisees see this. And the Pharisees, we've, we've talked about this before. Who are they? Well, they're the people who, who carry the banner for holiness. They're the, they're the ones that carry the word of God, and rightly so. They were trying the best they could. They're, they're carrying the banner for God's word, that we got to be holy. we got to make sure that we uh, walk in the righteous ways that God wants us to. And they were holding that banner high. So when these holy people see Jesus eating with these unholy people, these tax collectors and sinners, saying that they belong, how can... How, how can these people who, who are unholy and who are these people who are sinful, how can they possibly belong to holiness? We don't get this. We see this. This isn't making sense. And Jesus, you say that you're the Son of God. You say that you're the one that's trying to tell us uh, uh, how to walk in God's ways. And here you are, right in the, you're just, you're a mess, Jesus. They're, you're getting unclean. Everybody who touches you is, is contaminating you. And and, and, and causing you to be far from God because you're breaking every conceivable rule there is, Jesus. They're just unclean. They see this, and, and they say, why does he do this? Why does he eat with them? This is wrong. He shouldn't be doing that. And Jesus comes and says, do not judge like the Pharisees. Because what were the Pharisees doing? The Pharisees were saying, this whole segment of people, these tax collectors and sinners, they're off limits, right? They're off limits. I already decided I'm going to go fishing for men. And I'm going to try to get a harvest for God. And I'm going to bring people into the kingdom of God. But this group over here, the sinners and tax collectors, those unclean heathen right over there, there is not a chance that they would ever be in the kingdom of God, so I'm not even going to throw my net over here. I'm not going to do it, because clearly, look at them, right? Clearly they're out. I'm going to fish where the people are in. Do you see the problem? They're judging. And Jesus says, do not judge. Do, you don't make up in your mind ahead of time who is worthy of being in the kingdom and who is, should be left out of the kingdom. That's not your decision to make. 
That's God's decision to make. And in the eyes of God, we know that the scriptures tell us that God so loved the world. And who's included in that? All people. All people. And we see that being the very heart of Jesus. Jesus was not one who went out with a heart of judgment, but he went out with arms of openness. And Jesus was open to all people. He was open to Zacchaeus, the tax collector, just as much as he was to Nicodemus, the Pharisee. Jesus was open to, to Mary, the, the woman of ill repute, as much as he was to uh, Mary of Bethany, who loved him with all his heart. Jesus was open to all people. And he says, that's how you need to go and approach the world. And could it be that maybe, maybe our effectiveness in being fisher of men, maybe our effectiveness in, in reaching people in this community for Jesus Christ is due to the fact that we've made judgments in our head of who's in and who's out. That we decided those people are completely unworthy of ever being in the kingdom of God. Those, those Republicans, those, those Democrats, those LGBTQ people, those, those people who come across our borders, those people who are rich elitists, those people who are, are <coughs> excuse me, we, we segment a whole group of people and we put them in categories and we just say, I, we can't have anything to do with them, right? They're just the vitriol comes out of our mouth towards them, right? Because we're just like, they're, 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 they're out. They're no good. They're never be saved. They're beyond redemption. But Jesus never looks at, at where we're at. He looks at who we could become. Isn't that incredible good news? Because I know one day I was sitting over here, look at me, like I, there's not a chance he should be in the kingdom of God, but Jesus didn't see that. Jesus always sees what we can become through the power of his transformation, through the power of his spirit living in us. He sees what we can become, where the old can be gone and the new has come. And that's how Jesus looks. And so when Jesus looks at a group and getting ready to throw that net out, he's excited. It's like, yeah, I have, it's, not the, it's not the healthy that need the doctor. It's the sick that need the doctor. And I'm throwing my net over there because as I throw it among the sick, I can see all kinds of people getting well. And how awesome is that? Rather than, here's a whole pile of people that they're just sick and they're just gonna die and we should have nothing to do with them. Jesus says, do not judge. Throw your net out. Gather them in. Lead them to me. Let me transform in them so that they can be something new. And so I just want to challenge you this morning and, and push on you a little bit to think about your heart, to think about your mind, to think about the people around you. And do you have open arms to the world? Do we live with open arms to the world? Or do we live with an attitude that, well, this group is just not worthy. This group could never be in the kingdom of God. Because for Jesus, everyone, everyone is open Everyone is open, and we should go to them. The second hole that I see that Jesus really addresses in this passage is found in that little, in that next section. Here's where Jesus uh, tries his, really tries his hand at being a comedian, doesn't he? It's a pretty, pretty good little section here, because Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? 
Well, we get that. Oh, I look at them. There's a speck of sawdust in their eye. And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye, says Jesus. He's drawing a contrast here. And that word that he uses for plank is really like uh, the beams that we would have going around the top of the building here. Just think of the biggest beams that we could have. And that's, what, that's the word that Jesus is using here. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye while all the time there is a plank in your eye, you hypocrite? First, take the plank out of your own eye, then, you'll clearly be, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Quite often, we do this, right? We get all concerned about other people and about their sins because we're trying to bring people into the kingdom of God, which is holy and righteous. And so, my goodness sake, look at them over there. They're not like us over here. We're in church every Sunday. We give, we serve, we do the right things. But look at them. Look at what they're doing in their life. And Jesus says, why are you concerned about them? Because you got a big old plank in your own eye. You got a big beam sticking out of your own eye. How is it even possible you could determine a little speck in your brother's eye when, when you got this huge thing going on in your own life? Jesus says, you hypocrite, you poser, you faker. You're wearing a mask. You're pretending like you got it all together, but you don't. You're a hypocrite. He said, get rid of, first, first. He's not saying don't address that in the brother's life. Okay, again, coming back to that. He's not saying don't talk about it, but he's saying first, here's your attitude. The first thing you do is be concerned about yourself. The first thing you do is get rid of that speck out of your own eye, that, that plank out of your own eye. Then you'll be able to see clearly. For one of the Beatitudes that Jesus gave us, he said, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, because then they will be able to see God. And how often do we go amongst this world allowing sin to dwell in our life, allowing sin to, to just be a part of us, to let that habit linger, to, to let that attitude go on, to let that willful disobedience happen in our life. And then at the same time, we're trying to correct other people and tell them how they're to get into the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying, that's ridiculous. You can't see what God wants for them in the kingdom of God because you got this big old plank in your eye. So first get your heart right with God. Then go into the world. Then cast your net. Do that first. And so rather than coming at the world with our self-righteousness, which we can do, we need to come instead with grace. We need to come with grace. There's a big difference here because what we do is we come to the world not throwing our net out from the, uh, hopefully this will still hold even after I say this, I'll let you know when I'm done. <laughs> we throw our net out from the top down on people, but, but we, we, we come into people's lives from the bottom up, right, from the bottom up. Not like, I have it all together, and I know how, I know what righteousness is, and I know what holiness is, and I'm telling you, here it is, and I'm calling you to do it, but rather we come from the bottom as one who's experienced. 
I've experienced the grace of God. I've experienced the mercy of God because you know what? I used to be over here, used to be this sinner. And Jesus has redeemed me and Jesus has cleansed me. Jesus has made me whole. And I want this for you. I want this for you. It's coming from a heart of love. It's coming from a heart that I've experienced this mercy and now I want to share it with you, which is rather than coming from a condemning attitude down on top of somebody and saying adjust your life or you're going to you know, turn or burn. It's a difference of approach. And we are to come to people humbly. Right? Humbly. Did we not get that at the beginning of Matthew as well? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn for their sins. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Isn't that the way that we approach the world? That's the attitude that those in the kingdom have because we know who we are. I stand here by nothing but by the grace of God. I got nothing else to bring to the table except the grace of God, and now I want to share it with you and let you know where it's at. I was thinking about this, and I was reminded of a conference I attended, and then they had um, that situation where they, always, where they take the break, and then everybody does the mad rush to the restrooms. <laughs> and it was the first break period, so like, nobody knew where any of the restrooms were. And it was crazy because everybody had uh, quite a bit of urgency going on. <laughs> Trying to find the restrooms, and people are scattering like down the hallways in different places. And, uh, uh, but the, but what, I, what I'm bringing this up is because what was involved was everybody was helping everybody, right? Everybody knew what the crisis was. Everybody knew what was going on. They're like, oh, I know what you need. Right over there, down to the left, on that side. There wasn't this one guy who... who uh, had just used the restroom and was like the restroom guy, like, nope, I know where it's at. Too bad, too bad you really have to go right now. Too bad. I'm not, you know, it's rough for you, buddy. You should have thought about it ahead of time. You shouldn't have waited so long. I used the bathroom and it was a glorious experience, but you're stuck and so too bad for you. That wasn't the attitude. The attitude was like, we're all in this together. <laughs> Let's help each other out. Let's find it, and that's the approach that, 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 that we need to come as we throw these nets out. Why am I throwing the nets out? Not because that I, not because I'm coming down on you, I'm throwing the nets out because I've experienced the life, I've experienced the goodness and the sweetness of God, and I wanna draw you into it myself. And so I think this challenges us here uh, <clears throat> to spend some time in confession, to spend some time on our knees, to realize where our status is, do you know? that you are here simply because of the grace of God? Do you know that you were lost and how you've been found, that you were blind and now that you see? It's because of God and who he is. And that's the approach we take to the world, inviting people to come and join us in that experience. <coughs> Excuse me. I think the third hole that we address here is found in this little uh, description that Jesus gives us in verse six, he says, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and turn and tear you into pieces. That's an interesting, that's an interesting paragraph here. But Jesus is setting us up with some parallelism here. First he's talking about dogs and pigs. Now both of these uh, you need to think more, more um, maybe more vile than what we think today. 
So we get all the dog image of little rhinestone collars sitting in our purses. That gets tossed aside. Uh, thinking of Wilbur by Mr. Zuckerman in the barn, we, we toss that aside. <laughs> because in this day, dogs and pigs were pretty disgusting. The dogs were pack dogs. They were pack dogs who roamed uh, the streets. Uh, they often were quite uh, mangy. <laughs> they were quite vicious. They were just living for themselves. They were not something you wanted anything to do with. And the same is true of the pigs, right? They were the most unclean animal you could get. They just wallowed there. They were in the mud. They were in the dirt. They ate the slop. They weren't picky. They were just disgusting. And so Jesus is dialing these two creatures up not to associate them with any one kind of person or any one kind of group or any one kind of ethnicity or, or social class or anything. He's just making an example here. He's saying, think about the pigs. Think about the dogs. Okay, so you got the pigs. And the one thing... Um, that you wouldn't do is that you would not throw your pearls to the pigs, would you? Because pearls are incredibly valuable. Pearls are, for them in that day, would have been priceless. Anybody think about having a pearl? It'd be like, oh my goodness, I could never afford a pearl. But if you had one, would you toss it in with the pig? Because is the pig going to appreciate the price of the pearl, the cost of the pearl? The pig's like, I would rather have a leftover piece of potato than a pearl. And he sees the pearl land there, he's just going to trample it down in the mud because he doesn't value it. The same thing with the dogs, he said, because the choicest meat was used in the temple, right? You brought your first, you brought the good meat to the temple. And he's saying, you're not going to take what is holy and take it out of the temple and throw it and give it to the dogs. Because they're going to be just as, they won't appreciate it. In fact, they may just, just uh, attack you instead. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? The example that Jesus is saying, we don't take what is valuable and give it to those who don't consider it to be worthwhile. You don't take it and then offer it and keep offering it to those who think it's worthless. This is a little sticky here. Because what Jesus is saying, if you're bringing the word of God and you're going out with the most valuable thing we have, which is the glory of God, the word of salvation, and you're bringing it out, you don't keep going and going and going to places where it's resisted over and over and over again. In fact, we, we learned early on in, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says you're going to face people who will persecute you, who will falsely say things against you, who will insult you. You're going to bring the word of God. If you bring that word there and they're persecuting you and insulting you and they want nothing to do with you, don't give them the word. Don't give them the word. Because they don't value it. They don't trust it. It's not, this kind of maybe goes against our, our teaching that we just got to be giving it all the time. But you say, no, I'm open to everybody. This is the balance, really, to number one. We're open to everybody. But as the word goes out, this precious thing, we're not going to bring it to a place where it just is not respected, where it's just trampled down, where it's just not valued. We see Jesus' instructions to his disciples in Matthew 10. As you look ahead, in Matthew 10, he said, I'm sending you, I'm sending you all out. And in verse uh, 10, uh, 14, he says in 10, 14, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. 
All right? Your brain listening. You're not getting it. You shake off your feet. It's kind of like washing your hands, saying, I did what I did. I was called to do this, and I'm moving on. This may sound a little harsh to us, but the call here, I think, is not that we just keep foolishly going after and throwing, if we will, the seed. Remember Jesus' parable of the hard soil and the soils? We keep throwing the seed on the hard soil, which is just going to get snatched up. He said, that's foolish. Why would you do that with your seed? You want to go where there's a good harvest. So if you went to a place, you brought it, they're resisting, you move on. Because the harvest is plentiful. There are other places for you to reap the harvest. So you need to be discerning. We don't go with foolishness, we go with discernment. There are places I can show up with the gospel that's just going to be put it right back in my face and mock me. And Jesus says, that's not a place that right now is open to my word. You move on to where else, where else you can bear fruit. This makes us incredibly dependent on prayer. right? Because I may, well, I may leave that place, but am I going to stop praying for that place? No, because it's God who's going to be at work in them, and I'm going to pray for them. And, I, and maybe you have a, a co-worker, maybe you have a, 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 a relative, you have somebody that's on one of your sports teams or something, talk to them, they just throw it right back in your face and they just laugh at you and they're shake the dust from your feet. Move on. I can bring back to them, but if they're still fighting me and they're putting it down, I'm because it's a God thing. So Jesus tells us to be discerning. And maybe there's a lack in our uh, ability to fish for men because we're throwing the net out in the same place over and over and over and over and over again and it's just proven to be there's no fish there. There's no fish there. That would be foolish. I'm going to keep throwing the net in the same place over and over again. You say no. Move on to another space. Move on and fish over there. And so as we think about this this morning, as Jesus confronts his disciples who in just a few chapters he's sending out into the world, he's given them some great wisdom. We need to hear this wisdom too because their call is our call. And so this morning as you head out these doors and you go out into this world, do you need to move out with open arms to this world? Or maybe first before you head out into this world, you need to get on your knees and you need to spend time in prayer and confession so that your attitude is right, that your heart is humble, that you go with grace out into this world. Or maybe it's you need to go out and depend more on the Spirit, and you need to pray for that discernment. You need to pray for that wisdom. Where do I share? What do I do? How do I do this, God? Will you let him lead me? Because the call of the disciples here is the same call that God has on us today. Because from the very beginning of this book, our God is a missional God. Our God's intent was to reach people. Remember, he came to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, I am blessing you so that you can go out and be a blessing to others. The whole impulse of our God is to be a missional God, to reach people, to bring them into the kingdom of God. That's who he is, and how he chooses to work is through his people and through his church. And if we're not the ones out there throwing the nets out, drawing people into the kingdom of God, no one is. No one is. We're the people. We have the good news. We're called to be Christ's ambassadors in this world, declaring to this world, this is not it. We found, found. Let us lead you there. 
That's our call. That's who we are to be. Are you sharing in that mission that Jesus calls us to? That's one of our purposes. You may remember back to this fall when we were talking about uh, our, our goals for the next three years and how we can uh, get her done. And one of the things we said about getting it done that we think in order for this church to be about the ministry and the call that God has on us to, to get the work done here on the hill, that we need to engage in spiritual conversations with the world around us. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because that's our mission, to share the good news with people. And so we set a goal that over the next three years, we would, as a community, would have a thousand spiritual conversations. Now part of me thinks that bar is way too low. A thousand spiritual conversations. Let's say we have 300 people in here. And let's say you all had a spiritual conversation with somebody this week, and you had a spiritual conversation with somebody next week, and you had a spiritual conversation with somebody the next week. Boom, we hit our goal. Not in three years, but in three weeks. So can you see why I think that bar is way too low? But if you've been here, you've seen how often we've lit this candle behind us, which is a symbol of people saying, here's the conversation I've been having. Here's the... We're hardly ever lighting it. Hardly ever, right? We've lit it twice in two months so far. And I think we gotta turn that around. I think we gotta up our, our uh, efforts to following Jesus, being fishers of men, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. And so I just want to encourage you to get, continue to ask yourself, how can I be involved in having spiritual conversations in the world around me. And maybe today it starts with assessing that net that we've talked about. Are there holes in this net? And how do you need to repair them so that you can be a part of reaching this world with the good news of Jesus Christ? As a practical tool, I want to uh, point out to you that following our worship today, there's a new group that's starting which is talking about sharing your faith and how to share your faith, really meeting together, holding each other accountable, sharing stories, successes, wins, maybe some tools, maybe some uh, uh, you know, practices on how to do that together. And I just invite you to be part of that group. If you were one who checked the box and said, yeah, I want to be part of that, I encourage you to be a part of that, that class. But beyond that, look this week for who God has put around you to kind of cast that net out. And then be faithful and draw them in to the kingdom of God. Let us pray together. God, we thank you uh, for Jesus' words, which just have uh, stood the test of time. These words that he was so passionate to give to his disciples is, is they were trying to figure out what does it mean to follow you in the kingdom of God. Here we are, too, wondering that same thing. And yet here we find out and we hear your words clearly. And God, we ask that in this day we would be obedient to your words, for there are no other words we need to be obedient to. We are your children. We are your uh, disciples. We are following you. And so may we hear clearly your call in this day to be fisher of men. And Father, may we be, be bold where we're at, to go where you call us to go, to be open to who you want us to reach, to share the hope that we have within us to share the story that we've shared. And God, that as we uh, uh, sit on this mountain today and heard you say these words, that we would come down off this mountain uh, into our homes and into our workplaces and into all those areas around us, God, 
and that we would be uh, boldly uh, declare your good news. We pray these things.